0: The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast by Fresh FM, with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to this episode of Climate Matters. I'm Lindsay Wood, Director of Climate Strategy Company Resilience Limited, and Climate Matters is brought to you by Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access radio station. Fresh FM broadcasts in Blenheim on 88.9, to Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, to the Nelson CBD on 107.2, and across the Nelson-Tasman region on 104.8. It's also streamed to the planet on freshfm.net, and podcasts of Climate Matters and of other locally produced shows are available through freshfm.net and through the accessmedia.nz app. Well, today we're going back into the archives again, and in fact, we're going back to issue number 40, which came out in February 2020, which was, if you recall, the months before the world went into lockdown with the first wave of COVID-19, which was just beginning to be felt at the time we wrote this, although I don't think we mentioned it in that Climate Matters. Here's what we did mention, though. Cricket learns from climate. Can we learn from cricket? Taking the pulse. Climate adaptation taking us to a better place. And one entitled, A Sinister Undercurrent, Three Waters Chickens Coming Home to Roost. And that's a slightly different three waters issue than has been in politics lately. And in case anyone thought that carbon capture and storage was simple, we'll explain what that's about when we get to it. So without further ado, let's get into climate matters number 40, which as I mentioned, we actually brought out in uh, February 2020. That was actually the start of an election year, and I made the comment that everything had to be checked through a climate lens. Unfortunately, we have too many things (laughs) referenced like that, where people look through the climate lens and then ignore what they see. However, arguments about the cost of climate action must be accounted for by the formidable cost of inaction. All too often we say this is not economically viable or it doesn't justify the cost, and they're nearly always very short-term perspectives that are brought to bear. Not specifically, they don't say what the perspective is, it's just assumed that something that's not cost-effective is not cost-effective over a few years if you do it over, measure it over 50 years or a hundred years and take climate costs into account, you get a very different answer. We need to keep that thought front and central. Um, also, is there an impossibility proposition that climate can miraculously be addressed independently of social and cultural issues? Um, everything is connected. We very quickly find that. When you don't ha- only have to scratch the surface of one climate issue and you find that it quickly joins on to all the others. Advocates of classic economic growth must show that it actually benefits us all, plus how it will work with a truly circular regenerative economy. And political manifestos, bear in mind this was ten months before, eight months before the election, political manifestos must propose dedicated funding and top priority to addressing the climate crisis. That reference to dedicated funding picked up on research that I reported in a paper to the European Union Ramses conference in Berlin or Potsdam near Berlin in 2017, which uh, highlighted the need for dedicated funding in that context in a local body context. Policies also, this is going back to climate policies for the the would be political parties must plug the current yawning gaps in readying education and galvanizing individuals to address the climate crisis. Unfortunately, far from plugging those yawning gaps, I think they've, if anything, got wider. Bit of a moan here from me, I'm sorry, but uh, that's the nature of the content we're dealing with in Climate Matters number 40. Okay, cricket learns from climate. Can we learn from cricket? And here's a, here's what we wrote at that time. Evan Flint, reporting in the Guardian Weekly, that was on the 7th of February 2020, was South Africa's Cricket's Groundsman of the Year in 2018 when Cape Town was gripped by extreme drought. In solidarity with the struggling locals, Flint voluntarily reduced watering the grass before a test match so people wouldn't see a lush cricket field on TV. And here's a quote from Evan Flint, that groundsman of the year. It made me realise grass doesn't need as much water as we think, Flint commented. It's when you water that's important. It's when you water that's important rather than how much. And there are lessons for us in there. Obviously, water conservation is important, but more importantly, keeping an open mind. Flint is a champion groundsman, still opening to learning about the basics and responding what he's finding around him, and also realizing that good climate adaptation might actually take us to a better place. That's a thing we need to keep front and central as well, that it's not about doing things hard all the time. However, having said that, here's a quote from Danny Chivers, who was commenting on polls on public opinion and the environment in an Australian publication. The problem isn't that climate action is unpopular. It's that the interests opposed to climate action still have too much power and influence. We need to change that. Oh, how we still need to change that jumping sideways, taking the pulse, climate adaptation, taking us to a better place. So here's another message along the same lines. At a shared dinner the other night, a friend brought a dairy-free chocolate mousse dessert made with a chickpea base. It tasted as good as it looked. The United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization reports that intercropping with pulses like chickpeas can increase the yield of grains by around a tonne per hectare and also reduce nitrous dioxide emissions. Quotes from the UN report, pulses also promote soil carbon sequestration and ultimately reduce soil erosion. Civil Eats, an organization that we'll give a link to, Civil Eats promotes soil, I'm sorry, we'll try that again. Civil Eats describes a pea and lentil renaissance in the US in 20 years, a fourfold increase in the area cultivated, plus a real potential for regenerative agriculture and for boosting arable farms' ability to support multi-generational families. A sinister undercurrent, three waters chickens coming home to roost, Auckland was in a drought. Auckland is unable to conserve enough water in a drought. At the same time, Wellington was awash in deferred maintenance sewage, which are just the tips of monstrous worldwide three-waters iceberg. And that iceberg is still around, isn't it? All the time we're getting infrastructure problems due to the scale, the cost, and the deferred maintenance. Whether it's over-extraction, and I refer you to Fred Pierce's When the Rivers Run Dry book. Fred Pierce is an amazing international environmental journalist. Whether it's that or inefficient usage, Climate Matters 17 had a hot tip on cutting down your shower usage, or whether it's low-density subdivisions bringing crippling civil debt burdens, that's referencing the fact that if we have low-density subdivisions, we've got more pipes per person to put in, to maintain, to replace from time to time. And there's also appalling pollution. We referred to the Guardian article, the River Blue. So bear in mind, all of these are about the three waters. Whatever way we look at it, we've abused our water resources every which way, and we're paying the price. This is overwhelming enough even before we factor in the climate implications. We have to get better at conserving water. We have to take a little leaf out of Evan Flint's book, and he was the groundsman we just reported on who saved water for the cricket grounds in South Africa. Here's a quote from Kumi Nadu, the international executive director of Greenpeace, picking up on the waters. Wars of the future will not be fought about oil, the wars of the future will be fought about water. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Now, if you've heard of carbon capture and storage, this item is entitled, if, In Case Anyone Thought Carbon Capture and Storage Was Simple. And basically, first of all, what carbon capture and storage is, is having mechanisms, machines, or some such that suck the carbon dioxide out of the air and store it in a form that's not causing harm. And there are different places they might store it, surprisingly to some. That is often by pumping it into deep cavities in the ground, Um, but it may be locking it up in stone products or things. Anyway, here's what we report from an article in Science Direct. Science Direct reports on, quotes, large-scale groundwater injection tests to explore the complex geology of Australia's Surat Basin. Quotes, The lower Jurassic precipice sandstone and evergreen formation in the Surat Basin, Australia, are highly prospective interval for carbon capture and storage. Got that? (laughs) We'll try it again. Large-scale groundwater injection tests and this is the tests in the Complex Geology of Australia's Surat Basin, the tests showed the lower Jurassic precipice sandstone and the evergreen formation in the Surat Basin, a highly prospective interval for carbon capture and storage. I think what that's saying is that there are places in there that will receive a lot of carbon dioxide if we inject it the right way. Having said that, I don't think there is yet any form of carbon capture and storage that has proven itself capable of being scaled up on a manageable scale to make any sort of difference at all. Don't hold your breath on that sort of technology. Okay, we're closing in on the end here. Here's a hotter tip for a cool planet. Consider offsetting all of your driving. Now, I'm going to make a comment at the end about this because... I think the views of offsetting have changed. Consider offsetting all of your driving. Many people, for many reasons, still drive fossil fuel cars. It's easy to offset one year's driving. If you're not sure what offsetting is, it generally refers to planting trees to compensate for the emissions that you're causing. Typically, driving a a, a medium-sized car in a year, you're going to emit if you're using petrol or diesel, somewhere around two tons of carbon dioxide per year. There are organizations in which you can actually pay for them to uh, store or you, you, in essence buy what are known as carbon credits or carbon units. However, the current thinking is that that is totally inadequate as a method of tackling the climate change. The first thing to do is to do everything we can to slash our emissions. Don't drive, first of all. Don't fly, first of all. And then if you've cut out everything you can and you still need to do a bit, then pay for the offsets. To give you an idea of the cost of them, when we wrote this three or four years ago, the cost of offsets was about $30 per tonne of carbon. That has now risen to somewhere around 80. So, the point about it is the message is getting home, but it still needs to rise a lot more before it will have a real impact on the climate. So, that's us reached the end of this uh, going back into the archives, the Climate Matters number 40 from February 2020. I hope you got something out of it. It's a little bit saddening, isn't it, that nearly all the messages in there still apply, but some of them are good messages. Like, climate adaptation can take us to a better place. Remember the, the dairy-free dessert that I referred to. Remember the comment about watering the cricket pitches in South Africa. They are both where we've, things turn out better by doing, taking climate-friendly action. Anyway, enough of that. I've enjoyed your company. I hope I enjoy it again next week. And, of course, Kia kaha for the climate. If you, or your group, would like to know more about how you can have a programme on our station, please contact us. Visit our website, freshfm.net, for our contact details.